Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, I'm excited to be here with you today, and as Mark said, we will wrap up uh, our series in Acts next week. He will do that, uh, but if, if Acts had a 29th chapter, what we're going to talk about today would be found in Acts 29. But Acts doesn't have 29 chapters, so we're going to go to Hebrews. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Hebrews, it's in uh, the pew, at the end of the pew in front of you or beside you. Um, Of course, everything will be on the screen as well. We will be in chapter 12 today. But before we get started, let me just ask you a question. And I can tell by some of the shirts and the jackets that I see in the room that we have fans in the room. How many of you are fans of someone or something? Okay, most of you. So I saw, I'm not going to point out, but I saw some people sitting next to their spouse and they did not raise their hand. I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself because you should be a fan of your spouse. Who in the room is a fan of someone or something? Oh, that's good. Y'all are doing good. Y'all are doing good. Thank you for that. I am a fan. Uh, I have some sports teams and I'm going to be honest with you right now. It's really hard to be a fan of my sports teams. I am a Texas Rangers baseball fan. You know who has the worst record in baseball? Rangers, yes. I am also a University of Texas football fan. Who in the world could lose to Kansas? I didn't even know Kansas had a football team. I thought they only did basketball. And last night in overtime, my Longhorns lose. Look, I even wore the color and everything, man. I am a fan, but it's okay. It's okay, because my Cowboys are taking me to the Super Bowl this year, so we're going to be okay. Look at like four of y'all are like, yeah, no, they're not. It's okay. But if you had to boil it down to something that I'm a fan of, more so than any sports team, is I'm a fan of my children. I have two boys, Caleb and Joshua, and I am one of those dads. I'm, I, I probably embarrass them more often than not uh, at a sporting event. It doesn't matter what they do. Matter of fact, week uh, before last, my wife and I got up at some crazy hour of the morning on a Tuesday. We drove all the way to San Antonio to the Alamo Dome because my youngest son, Joshua, was playing in a band. Uh, the college that he goes to was invited to this thing at the Alamo Dome. And we sat down as they took the field and they played for like eight to 10 minutes and then they were done. I looked at my wife and I said, okay, I'm done. But I'm gonna drive to San Antonio and as the crowd dies down and they start to walk off and it's quiet and you're in the Alamo Dome, I'm the guy that at the top of his lungs screams, go Joshua, as it echoes through the stadium because it's quiet, that's me. My oldest boy, now he's, he's in the workplace, you know, out of school, but this is him, uh, this picture of him uh, is when he was, in, I think, a sophomore in high school. We landed the Lobos, went, we lived in Monahans, which is just get on an interstate and go west and you'll eventually run into it. Um, but this is him at the state track meet his sophomore year. This is him coming out of the blocks where he and his team won silver. And it was, it was one of those crazy things. We went to Austin and we're, we're going to watch him and there's rain delays. And so he didn't run this race until about 1230 in the morning. And Caleb ran his best race ever. Fastest race. It was at the state meet. I mean, it was a really cool thing. And most of you would think that that was my favorite race. When he came out of those blocks and he did his job going around, it was the, it was the mile relay. So he ran all the way around the track and then handed the baton off. But that is not my favorite race. 
My favorite race is when he was in junior high. Caleb was on a relay team that was not very good. And Caleb was the anchor. And when Caleb got the baton, he's waiting at the starting line. You know, it's the mile relay, so you really don't run to get the baton. You just kind of stand there and get it. You get the baton. When he grabbed the baton, Caleb was in eighth place. Now, there were eight lanes on the track. So what place was he in? Last, dead last. Seventh place was over 100 yards in front of him. So they were all the way around the curve. They were on the back stretch when he got the baton. Now, most of us, if we were put in that same situation, would get the baton. And maybe, I've seen it happen many times, it's not worth my energy, I'm going to step off the track. Or I'm going to jog around the track because there's absolutely no need in exerting this much energy to run a race that I can't win. But that's not what Caleb did. Caleb took the baton and he ran one of the best races I've ever seen him run. And he still ended up in last place, but just by a few yards, he almost caught seventh place. And as a father, I couldn't even stand in the stands. I couldn't wait in the stands. I wanted to get down to my son and throw my arms around him and let him know how proud I was of him because the circumstances did not warrant the effort. But he gave it anyway. And I don't know about you, but the Bible says several times that this life that we are living, it refers to it as a race. And when I get to the end of my race, I don't want to have any regrets. I I want God himself to run from the stands or meet me at the finish line, arms open wide and say, well done. And I believe all of us in this room want the same thing. What we don't want is to live with regrets. And especially for that day, what we don't want to be is this guy. Nobody wants to be that guy at the end of our lives, right? We don't want to live with regrets. We don't want to live with regrets and or finish with regrets, whatever that is. I don't even know. So if you'll turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12, I believe that we have some things we can implement even today and throughout the rest of our lives in order to finish with no regrets, in order to finish the race like we want to finish the race. So it says there in chapter 12, verses one and two, therefore, therefore is a very important word. We're gonna come back to that in just a minute. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I believe the first thing that this passage is telling us is that you and I need to be running the right race. We need to be running the race. Run the race. Not any race. The race. It says this, let us run with endurance. What race? The race God has set before us. 1,542 times in the Bible, God tells us to go. 
Over 20 times, Jesus himself in the New Testament gives a compelling invitation to follow him. There's no doubt that we are supposed to be moving forward in our faith walk, that we're supposed to be running this race of life. But can I just tell you that if we are not running the race, if we're running our race, we can make really good time running in the wrong direction. And I believe in order to finish strong, we have to start strong. And we can't start strong unless we're running in the race. So what is the race? What are we supposed to be doing as followers of Christ? I absolutely love the fact that our memory verse over the past several weeks has been Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. It's gonna pop up on the screen. I want you to say it with me. Here we go. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, just keep that up there for a second. We're supposed to do what? My goal is to what? Finish the race. What race are we supposed to finish? The one the Lord Jesus has given us. And what is that race? Testifying to the good news of God's grace. He has given us a race to run. And it's not supposed to be our race. It's supposed to be his race. Why? Because he created us and designed us to run the race he has put before us. So you and I have got to run the race. Next thing we need to do, I believe this passage brings out, is we have to trust our trainer. We have to trust our trainer. Well, what does that mean? Well, it says in the verse, we do this, we run this race by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Why do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Because he is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If we wanna learn to play baseball, right now the Atlanta Braves are, are world champions. I don't know why we call them world champions because only the United States plays, but whatever. Um, but they're the world champions. And so if you want to learn to play baseball, it'd probably be good, a good idea to watch the Atlanta Braves. If you want to learn to play quarterback, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but you probably need to watch some video or some tape of Tom Brady. He has done things that no other quarterback has done. If you want to learn to play basketball, okay, I know there's going to be some arguments here, but you got to watch tapes of Michael Jordan. Because he's the best that's ever played the game. If we want to learn to run this race, if we want to run this race to the best of our ability, we have to look to the champion. The one that not only initiated our faith, but he actually perfected it. No one's ever perfected anything. He has perfected the life of faith. And so we turn to Jesus. We have to trust our trainer. Now, in this picture right here, uh, this is Caleb and uh, the team that won silver. They didn't win gold at state. They won silver. They got second place. Um, and these are some of his coaches, but, but in particular, this coach over here on, on the left, his name is coach Simpson. When Caleb, uh, was in junior high and going into high school, he, he started bringing up this name. We, we would be at the kitchen table or we would be at home and, and I would say something. He said, yeah, well, coach says this, his name's coach Simpson. He said, Coach Simpson says this, or Coach Simpson says that, or, or Caleb, uh, have you tried this? Well, I thought the same thing, but Coach says this. He began a relationship with Coach, his trainer. And even though I, as a father, would never give him poor advice, I would give him the best advice that I had. I wasn't the champion at track, 
And so I would tell him something and he'd say, I know dad and I, I understand that. But coach said, he trusted his trainer and just like I would never intentionally give him poor advice, the world gives us really good advice. And we can find good advice in all kinds of places, but that good advice should never go in front of the great advice, the great advice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, there are some of you here today who can't trust Jesus. You can't trust your trainer because you have never met your trainer. And so I just want to stop real quick. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, these next few moments are for you. Because some of you may be here today, like Mark said earlier, maybe your first week or, or maybe first several weeks. And you're like, man, I'm just, I'm just trying out this church thing. I really don't know about it. I, I've heard about this Jesus, but I really don't know much about him. In order to trust him, you must know him. And this is what you need to know about Jesus. He came to earth and lived a perfect life that you could not live because all of us have messed up. All of us have tripped and fallen. All of us have done things we're not supposed to and not done things we're, that we were supposed to do. That's easy for us to understand. And he came and lived the perfect life that we could not live so he could pay our debt that we could not pay. So he went to the cross and he died to pay for our sins. And if you want to be able to trust him, you have to first meet him. And so you just have to, in your heart, make a decision. Say, I, I know that I've messed up and, and I believe that Jesus paid for my sin. And, and I want to I follow him. And if you want to do that today, you can do it right where you're seated in your own mind and in your own heart. But when we get done here in a few minutes, there's a Glaston area here at the back. We have people ready, waiting for you because they want to help you. If you're online, I just want to encourage you. Just send me an email, type in the, con in, in the comments below. So we have people online that are ready to help you because you cannot trust a trainer you do not know. But we have to trust our trainer. And if we can trust our trainer, then you and I can no doubtedly trust our training. We can trust our training. Now, where do we find this training? I, I, uh, I believe there's three different areas. There's lots of areas, but we're going to talk about three today. Let me put it that way. In which we can find our training. He speaks to us. One of those places that we can look is at past examples. You and I can look at past examples. It's in our text. Again, it says, therefore, remember I said that was a very important word. It means because of what I just told you. Because of what I just told you, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Who is this huge crowd of witnesses? What does that even mean? Well, you have to go back to chapter 11. If you go to chapter 11, it's literally the Faith Hall of Fame. And I'm not going to go through all of it because we would be here all day. But I just want to pull out a few people that God highlights as examples that we can follow in our faith. The first one is Noah. Noah was told by God, hey, Noah, I want you to build a big boat. And here's what I want you to build it out of. This is how big I want you to build it. And I want you to build this boat because there's going to become a big rainstorm and a flood. And I'm going to cleanse the earth. And I want you to take two of every animal, put it on this boat and your family, and you're going to save mankind. Sounds great, right? All of us would say, no, no thanks. We wouldn't do that. But the crazy thing is it had never rained before. God said, hey, there's going to be this, this rainstorm and this flood. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. But by faith, he did it anyway. And we are here today because he did. The next person it talks about 
or that we want to talk about today is Abraham. Now, Abraham is actually listed more than once in this because of the faith that he's shown. But Abraham, God called him to go and to do something for God. And he's like, cool, I'll do that. Where am I going? And God says, huh, details, just go. And he did. He packed up everything he had and he went not even knowing where he was going. The next person uh, that we want to talk about is Sarah. I absolutely love the, the story of Sarah and you'll know why here in just a second. Sarah was promised a son by God. And at the young age of 90 years old, wrap your minds around that ladies, nine zero, she, had, she gave birth to her promised son and she named him Isaac. That's why I like the story. She named him Isaac, which means laughter, because when the angel told her what was going to happen, she laughed, because there's no way this can even happen. But by faith, she was able to do incredible things. And then the nation of Israel, they were at war uh, with this place called Jericho, and Jericho was a fortress that had these walls around it. And God said, hey, uh, in order to win this battle uh, with Jericho, I, what I want you to do is I just want you to march around the city once a day and and Toot your horns, right? That's what I always tell Joshua. He's in the band. So I say, go toot your horn. Um, and so you walk around it and you blow your horn. And then on the seventh day, do it for seven days. On the seventh day, you do it seven times. Hey, that doesn't win a war. That doesn't win a battle. That's not a battle plan. But by faith, you know what they did? Exactly what they were told. And guess what? On the seventh day, when they went seven times around, the walls came to the ground. And somehow they won the victory by walking and blowing on their horns. And then the author of Hebrews says this, how much more do I need to say? He says, I literally have given you everything you need to walk the walk, the life of faith that I've called you to walk. Now, before we go into our next point, I'm gonna ask Ms. Janice to come up here with me. Ms. Janice, would you come up here? And would y'all just welcome Ms. Janice Rowe to the stage? Thank you for being here with us today, Ms. Janice. Thanks for the opportunity. So Janice um, leads a ministry at Razor Elementary. So Janice, tell us a little bit about this ministry at Razor. So Razor Elementary School is part of Plano ISD, and it's just down the road on Hedgecocks and Alma. Uh, it's a Title I school, which means that over 50% of the families there fall below the poverty line. It's like a microcosm of the world. There are over 30 languages spoken there. Wow. Uh, so there's many diverse cultures, backgrounds, social and economic differences. But despite all that, all kids need the same thing, right? They wanna be fed, they wanna feel valued, they wanna feel safe so that they can learn and grow. And we can spread the love of Christ to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we show them love and show them that there is hope for a future, which I always think of this scripture when I think of Razor, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans for hope and a future. One of the ways that we serve Razor is through life packs which are boxes of food that we provide breakfast, lunch, and snacks for every day of every school break. So kids that, who don't necessarily have food when they're away from school have access to nutritious food during the school breaks. 
And thanks to all of your generous donations and all the volunteers and kids, students, and life groups, over the past three years, we have provided 400 boxes, more than 400 boxes for them. That's awesome. So, yay, LifePoint. <laughs> Um, another way that we can share the love of Jesus is through um, helping at the school with, in the library, or preparing classroom work, or sharing an encouraging note with a teacher. They need hope for a future as well, especially now. And uh, the third way I want to talk about today is mentoring. We mentor kids who just need a little extra individual attention to achieve their potential. LifePoint has partnered with Kids Hope USA, which is an awesome national program that provides online training and support. Um, our mentors meet with a child once a week for an hour during the school year and just pour into that child to build up their esteem and to help them reach their full potential. God continues to bless our ministry there through people like you who want to give your time, your money, your efforts, and we thank you so much for that. That's awesome. So how can we as a church today, what opportunities do we have today to help the kids or students or teachers at Razor? Well, we're wrapping up our donations for Life Packs for Thanksgiving, and we're starting our campaign for winter break. So you can grab a box in the lobby and fill that and bring it back by uh, December 12th. And meet me in the lobby to talk about how you can volunteer if you want to be a mentor, or there's lots of different programs that you can participate in, and I'd love to talk to you about it. That's awesome. Can y'all give Janice a hand? Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Now, I believe that God gives us past examples that we can learn from and that we can follow. And she didn't know I was going to say this, or she wouldn't have come up here. But I also believe that God gives us present-day examples that we can follow. And Janice is a beautiful example of selflessly giving of herself to benefit someone else. She doesn't get anything from this. So... Our trainer has given us some training to watch, some videos to watch, and you just watched some of it. We have past examples, and we have present-day examples that we can follow. And then thirdly, I believe that God gives us, our trainer, Jesus, gives us inward examples. My life, one of my life verses is Philippians 1.6, and it says this. And I am certain that God, who began the good work, where? In you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This is what I know. If you have a relationship with God, if you follow Jesus, he has already done things in your life for the positive. He has already blessed you in your life. The problem is when we get in circumstances that are difficult, we focus too much on the circumstance and not the God of the circumstance. And we forget that God has blessed us in the past. And so I just want to encourage you today. When God shows up in your life and you know he stepped in and did something, write it down. Somehow get a journal, make, a, make notes on your, on your phone, on your computer. I don't care how you do it. Label it something because there are going to come days when you don't feel like God is in your corner. Maybe you're not going to feel that God even exists 
because we're so focused on the situation that we're in. And it's a beautiful thing to go back and remember the things on the inside, the training that God has given us on the inside. So we have past examples, present examples, and inward examples. And then the last thing that I believe this passage gives us on how we can run this race, the last step is this. we got to run without regret. We've got to run without regret. It says this in the passage. Let us strip off. There we go. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. The passage tells us that we as humans have a tendency to take on extra things. We take on unnecessary things that weigh us down and hinder us from running the race as well as we could run the race that we're designed to run. Now, this last picture of Caleb I'm going to show you today. This is actually one of Caleb's senior pictures. And I know that's not the way you're supposed to dress for track. I totally understand this. But Caleb, um, even all the way back to junior high, all of his track pictures, on track days, you know, you wear your uniform, and what would normal people wear on their feet? Tennis shoes, right? Some type of athletic gear. But Caleb loves his boots because they are comfortable to him. And so Caleb, even on track days when he had his track uniform on, he would wear his boots. And by the time he got into high school, he was in the 4x1, 4x2, and 4x4. And almost everyone on all three of those relays would wear their track uniform and their boots. And Caleb would wear them all day long until he stepped foot on the track. Because as comfortable as those boots were, and as much as he liked them, he knew he could not run effectively with them on. And I just want us to picture real quick. In your mind's eye, these are medals that he won over the years. He's wearing them around his neck. He's got them on his hands. He's got boots on his feet. What if we saw him walk to the starting line, get in the blocks in his boots and with medals around his neck and on his hands? We think, what in the world is he doing? That's foolishness. There's no way. Out of the blocks, he might be okay, but the first step he takes on the track with slick bottom leather sole boots, he's going to fall. The metals are going to be hitting him everywhere, probably hurting him, but for sure he's not going to be able to run the way he wants to run with boots and metals around him. And again, we would think that was incredibly foolish, but let's think about it when applied to our own lives. Isn't that exactly what you and I do? God has called us to run this race and we have all of this unnecessary weight that we put on ourselves that hinders us from running the race to the best of our ability. Some of us today have unnecessary emotions that we carry with us whether it's anxiety, depression, anger, resentment. And and I get feelings, I, I get those things that come into our lives and I get that sometimes we can't handle those on our own. Sometimes we need professional help, sometimes we need medication, but the fact remains they are a hindrance 
to us running the race God has called us to run. And the, the scripture, it tells us we need to get rid of those things. We need to take the steps necessary in order to get rid of the unnecessary weight. Some of us carry unnecessary financial baggage. Some of you today are gonna to go out to the table and you're like, man, I wanna support a kid. I'm gonna fill up a box. But what you really wanna do is fill up 10 boxes. But you know if you took 10 boxes that financially it would hurt you. Because I don't know, maybe you have a Netflix subscription that, that you're still paying for that you haven't even turned on in eight months. Maybe it's debt because you wanna keep up with so-and-so or just because you want something new, whether it's clothes or a vehicle or whatever it is, it's just unnecessary. Some of you have distractions, unnecessary distractions. Can I tell you, can I just confess to you? My biggest distraction in my life is this right here. Necessary, I believe so. Am I gonna get rid of it? No. But what I can do is put it away when I'm having important quality time with my family, with my wife, with my boys. When I'm having an important conversation, I can put it away and not let it distract me from the race that God has called me to run. Some of us are overloaded in our schedules. You see, we say, good to, we say yes to good things some of us say yes to, to bad things, and I understand that. But we even say yes to good things. But sometimes we say yes so often that we cannot say yes to great things. Sometimes we need to say no to good things so we can say yes to God things. Our schedules are just too full. In order to run the race, it's unnecessary weight. And so I have a few questions for you today. Number one, First off, the most important question, are you in the race? Are you running the race that God has designed you to run? And then the second question, if the answer to that is yes, the second question is this, what is slowing you down? What do you, what weights are you carrying that you need to get rid of? And so I'm gonna allow you to have just a moment with God himself. So I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads right where you're at and ask God these two questions because I believe when it comes to life altering questions, God will answer every single time. Ask him, God, am I in the race? God, am I in the race you've called me and designed me to run in or am I doing my own thing? wrestle with that and then if he answers yes to that one ask him God what what is slowing me down what unnecessary weight am I carrying can look up now here's the last question I have for all of us do you have the courage to let it go if when you ask God God am I in the race and he said no do you have the courage to let go of living for yourself 
and choose to get on the track that he designed for you? And if you are in the right race and you asked him, God, what is slowing me down? And he gave you one, two, 10 things. I don't know. Do you have the courage to let it go? Now, this is why this is so important today. I believe the Bible speaks to us as individuals. We are individuals and this applies to us individually in this aspect. We cannot run the race God has designed us to run. Unless number one, we're in the race, we're trusting our trainer, we're trusting our training and we've got rid of the extra stuff. We cannot stand before a holy God one of these days without regret if we choose today to hold on to the things that will cause us regret. But this also applies to us as a church, as a whole. You see, God has created and designed a path, a race for this church to be in. And it's to reach the people of Collin County. And I believe God is saying, hey, I have this race for you to run, but you need to be in my race. You need to have the faith to reach everyone in Collin County. And just like Abraham, he said, hey, I want you to go north, but I don't know yet where you're gonna go. But it doesn't mean that we don't put one foot in front of the other and start taking the steps of faith in order to run the race that God has designed us to run as a church. And I believe he's saying, you need to trust your trainer, my son. He, he can do anything you ask him to do. Literally, if he just speaks, mountains move. And he's saying, I want you to trust the training that I've given you. We've spent weeks in the book of Acts and we have seen God do incredible things in his church when they're on the track that God designed for them to run on. And not only that, we can look at past examples here at this church. 32 years ago, this church did not exist. And as PG flew over this area, he's like, there, X marks the spot. That's where God is gonna move. And because of many of your faith, many of you have been here since day one, because of your faith, literally thousands of people know Jesus today. And God is saying, I'm not through. I have done it before. I will do it again. But you got to run my race. And you got to trust my son and the training that he's given you. And you got to shed off the things, get rid of the things that are going to slow you down so you can run without regret. I don't know about you, but on that last day, when I stand before my father, I don't want him to be not excited about the life that I lived. I want him to be running out of the stands like I did for Caleb that day when I wanted to wrap my arms around him and say, son, I'm so proud of you. I want God himself to run out of the stands, whatever those are, whatever that means. I want him to wrap his arms around me and say, son, I'm so proud of you. I want him to wrap his arms around our church as a whole and say, I'm so proud of you. Well done. I'm gonna ask you to stand. Go ahead, stand. What a trick. And join me as I pray and then we're gonna sing in just a moment. God, 
it's very clear to us what we're supposed to do. But God, just because it's clear doesn't mean it's easy. And so God, I ask, God, I actually beg that individually, God, you would allow us to be in the right race, to trust your son, to trust your word, trust the examples that he's given us. And God, shed off the extra weight so we can run our race without regret. And God, as a church, I beg the same thing. God, I know and confess that you can do anything that you want to do. And God, you want us to reach the people of Collin County. You want us to share Jesus with this entire county. And that means we've got to do some things that are uncomfortable. So God, help us to be confident, even though we're uncomfortable. God, when we doubt, would you help us to look back at what you've already done? Would you help us to see that we've seen 30 people accept Christ just this year since Easter? God, you're doing magnificent things. Help us not to forget those things when we're stepping forward in an uncertain situation. And God, on that day, on the day, when we stand before you, the God of gods and the King of kings, God, may you open your arms wide and say, well done, my church. Because we ran your race. God, we love you. We want what you want. It's in Christ's name I pray today. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.